How's everybody doing today? Doing great? Doing blessed? If you uh, came a little late to church today, you missed a, a, a powerful time of praise and worship. I want to encourage you to uh, re-watch the worship service on, uh, on the app later on and put your dancing shoes on if you missed it. But uh, our worship team led us into praise today in a victory march. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. It's always a blessing when we can come to the house of the Lord and receive that, that boost of hope and, uh, and bring um, praise and thanksgiving to him for everything that he has done. And sometimes we have to re- be reminded when we go through life that God is good. And he's faithful. And he's there with you. He never leaves your side. Even when you don't feel close to him. Even when we've failed him. The Lord is right there with you. He's with you in the hard moments. As a matter of fact. It's very likely that he's allowed you to go through that hard moment for a reason. But he'll use that hard moment and he'll transform it into a memorial where you can look back on your life, on your spiritual journey and see where God has brought you from. Before I dive into the message, and I'm so anxious to get into the message today, I do want to ask for your prayers for our our women and girls ministry as they're coming back from the mountains today. Let's remember them in our prayers as they they travel back. Hopefully they'll they'll take the the long route instead of the shorter route because the shorter route has more, you know, switch back and um, turns and and steep decline, so let's pray that they they take the safer route um, and that they all return safely home, amen? Let's keep Pastor Bumi in our prayers. She's under the weather. She's at home watching from, um, from from the comfort of our own home. God bless you, baby girl. I love you. Pray that you get better. Um... Our family's been going through a little, a little bug the last couple of weeks, but we're coming out. Amen? Some of you who are here on Wednesday know that my brother Koba and I had a friendly wager. We, we bet that, that who, um, whoever would win the UCLA-USC football game had to wear the opposite jersey and clothing at the next Wednesday service, so... Unfortunately, I'll have to wear the USC Trojan gear this coming Wednesday. It's the last time you'll ever see that, so if you want to come and check that out, come out Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday night is going to be our annual Thanksgiving service. We're going to have worship. We're going to have a bilingual service right here. The youth will join us, and we're going to have a time of testimonies, time of Thanksgiving right here in the sanctuary. And So don't miss it. Come and enjoy fellowship. Um, and then get back to your turkey and your ham when you get home. Praise God. 
Would you join me in a word of prayer as we ask God's blessing over this time? Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. Lord, we magnify your name. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring this, this story to life. Father God, I pray that you would bring this message, Lord Jesus, into our minds, into our hearts, Lord God, and that you would open our spiritual eyes so that we would see wonderful things in your law today. Father, I pray as Pastor Danny uh, initiated and brought our attention for various groups of people that are ailing during this, this time and this, this moment in the life of our country where senseless violence, mass shootings have occurred. Father, we lift up the families of the victims whose lives have been taken. Lord, let us never become numb to loss, to grief or devastation. No matter who the person or the group is, that we would always have a heart of compassion. Lord Jesus, that we would always turn to you, Father God, for the answers. And Lord Jesus, that we would invoke your name over every situation. Lord, that the blood of Jesus would be as a balm of Gilead over those who are grieving. May this church always be a church that errs on the side of love and grace in difficult moments, in critical moments. Pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Give God a hand of praise today. Give God a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. In the book of Genesis, we read about a man of faith. We read about a man who was learning how to walk with God. Genesis 28. We read about a man who teaches us about the faith of old. His name was Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. In Hebrew, it's Yaakov, and his name means trickster. We had a friend on our baseball team one time. His name was Tricky. It was in a bad car accident, removed all of the muscle tissue and skin from his right arm. And they, doctors had done miracles to graft skin on the bone that was left, but it didn't stop him. He knew how to get guys out. He was a left-handed pitcher. He would hold his glove close to him. He'd pitch, put the glove on, kind of like Jim Abbott. Jim Abbott only had one. One arm, and he would, but, but he had the top of his arm still there, and he would press his glove. Jim Abbott pitched in the big leagues for many, many years. He's a great pitcher. Well, this guy, Tricky, he would pinch the glove here and strike guys out, throwing close to 90 miles an hour, and then he'd put the glove on real fast, catch the ball even, take it off, and still have time to throw the guys out at first. He didn't let anything deter him from 
doing what everybody else did in the neighborhood at Carson Park, Carson Elementary, Stephen White, Carson High. He would even hold the bat and clinch the bat in both hands. You remember that, Arnold? And he would use his left hand, the strong hand, bat right-handed, and he would swing the bat, and he hit better than most other guys. And we said, we don't know how you pull those tricks out of your hat um, because he never ceased to amaze us. We called him Tricky. And Jacob was tricky also. Many of you who know the story of Jacob know that he took the birthright right out of his older brother's hands, although his older brother willfully and carelessly gave it to him for a bowl of red stew, some chili beans. Chili beans and a grilled cheese sandwich with some tomato soup, creamy tomato soup right about now sounds good, doesn't it? Well, Esau was so hungry one day that he wanted some of what Jacob was cooking. And he says, I'll give you some of this stew if you give me your birthright. And so Esau despised, the Bible said, what belonged to him and the blessing that God had given to him by trading it in or selling it for a bowl of tomato stew. And then the story goes that when it was time for Esau, Jacob's older brother, and Esau means hairy or red, which is where the people of the Edomites come from, come from Esau, the red hairy people. You know any Mexicans that have red hair? They come from Esau's line. Monterrey. And, and guess what? While Esau was out doing his thing, Jacob's mother and Esau's mother conspired because she loved Jacob more than Esau. And they tricked Esau out of his inheritance. When it was time for their father Isaac to give him the blessing, the inheritance, and everything that belonged to Esau because he was the oldest brother and they were twins. The Bible says that Jacob came out the womb holding on to his brother's heel. Like, I want to be first, fool. I was supposed to be first. So Jacob lived a life of trickery. But the other side of it is that he always wanted the very best. He always wanted God's best for his life. And so he put animal fur on his arm and put Esau's clothes and rubbed dirt. Smelled like the field because Esau was a man of the field, the Bible says, and came into the tent of his father Isaac because Isaac had been 
going blind in his older age, and it was time for him to pass on the inheritance. Jacob went in there, pretended to be his brother. His father said, your voice sounds like the voice of Jacob, but you smell like Esau. Come closer to me. And he came closer to Jacob, and he pulled him in, and he smelled him, and he goes, smells like Esau. Jacob tricked him. Yeah, it is Esau. It says, and he put his right hand on him, and he gave him the inheritance and the birthright and all the blessing. Esau found out about it. He came back from hunting and gathering, and it was time for him to go and receive the inheritance from his father, and he walked into the tent sometime after, and his father said, is this you, Esau? He says, it is. It's me, your son Esau, your firstborn. He says, I've come to receive my inheritance, mi herencia in Spanish, and everything that belongs to me. He says, oh no, I already gave it to someone else. It must have been your brother. The Bible says that Esau's blood began to boil, and he wanted to kill his brother. And he says, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to strangle him. And Rebekah, their mother, ran and told Jacob what his brother intended to do. And she said, you need to leave now. So Jacob left. He left knowing that he didn't do right by his brother. He left at a moment in his life where he was feeling pretty low about the shady things that he had been doing. But did it stop him from doing it? Sometimes that's how we are. We know what we're doing, and we do it anyway. And we deal with the guilt. We deal with the shame. We know that we, we've been shady. We know that we've done somebody wrong. But it doesn't mean that you throw in the towel. It means you need to get your heart right with God. It means you need to repent and you need to ask God that over time that you would be able to reconcile or you'd be able to fix that situation that you created. But it doesn't mean that God will leave you. It doesn't mean that God will turn his back on you because he loves you. And when you belong to God, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, no matter what somebody else has done to you, on this Christmas, uh, excuse me, uh, Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to remind us that God will always see you through and provide for you in every situation that you face. He is with you. He is with you, church. And so Jacob left home with his tail between his legs in a hurry at odds with his very own brother. It kind of reminds you of the relationship that Cain and Abel had, doesn't it? Look what it says here in chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he had reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. You know, when I, when I travel... I like to drive during the day and rest at night. I'm just not good at driving at night. 
I get sleepy and I don't want to put anybody at risk. Scripture says right here that he reached that place and he rested at sundown. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep. Now the last I recall, the stone is not the most comfortable thing to rest your head upon, is it? But it must have been hard and cold. But it must have been sufficient for Jacob. It reminds me of the situation that Jacob was in. He was stuck in between a rock and a hard place. With his back faced towards home and his, his face towards his future, his destiny uncertain. The blessings of God had not yet manifested. The inheritance that he was promised by his father somewhere waiting in the wings of uncertainty, Jacob sets his forehead like flint. into the open deserts of the Middle East. A loner, a nomad, all by himself, severed from the umbilical cord of his mother, Rebecca, and the relationship with his brother, And the disappointment of his father, Jacob. Jacob is in need of a word. He's in need of a sign. To be reminded that God is still with him. Although he's failed. To be reminded that Although he turned his back on everything that he knew and everything that he loved. That somebody still loved him. Jacob. Lays his head down. On a rock. You ever gone through a difficult time in your life? You ever wondered about whether or not God was still with you? You may be going through a hard time in your life right now. Somebody you love may be going through a hard time right now, and sometimes it's just as bad. It's just as painful to watch somebody you love go through that difficult moment. Somebody said today in our morning meeting outside, sometimes Thanksgiving 
for many is a reminder of the ones that we have lost and the wish that they were still here with us. Verse 12. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am your father, your Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. You see, Jacob lays his head down upon a rock and he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees this stairwell or this ladder that, that is resting on the earth and reaches all the way to heaven. And in the dream, there are angels who are going up, up and down and up and down. Anybody ever heard the story of Jacob's ladder? We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Children of the singing songs like that. We were thinking of what God would have for us this Thanksgiving Sunday. And we thought it was time to bring this story of Jacob and dust it off and bring it to the people of God to encourage the people of God about God's faithfulness to us about God's love for us, about God's provision for us. In his dream, the Lord appears to him and he reminds him of the promises that he heard about his fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And despite his failures, despite his shortcomings, despite his sin, God promised to bless him. God's promises will always be fulfilled with his children. Can I hear an amen? God is with you. God's right by your side right now. And he loves you. And he's reminding us of that great promise and that great love. 
The angels were ascending and descending upon the stairway. But how many of you know that when you're in a difficult moment, sometimes it's hard to talk with God because we think God's mad at us. Sometimes, how about, remember, remember, remember when you were a kid? Remember when you were a kid and, and, and you knew when mom and dad was, was mad at you? You knew they were mad at you and it was hard for you to go and look, in, look them in the, in the eyes? And one of my kids went, had a tough week this past week and it was hard for, for, for one of them to, to look me in the eyes because they were having a tough time and it was difficult to talk to daddy and to let daddy know what he was, what he was experiencing or what had happened. And all it needed, all he, all he, all he needed was a hug from daddy and a reminder that no matter what, no matter your challenge, no matter what you do, daddy will love you. Daddy will pray for you and daddy will be there by your side to pick you up, to do everything in my power. And the best thing I could ever do was pray put my right hand on their heads to remind them that daddy's here and that he loves them and that they're blessed. But the angels ascending and descending down the stairwell from, from, from heaven to earth and, and vice versa is a reminder of, of the need for you and I to go to the Lord even when you don't feel that God is listening. Even when you feel that he hasn't been responding to your prayers and, and you find the nearest, the closest angel and then you hand him that prayer request and say, take this up there for me. And that angel, your angel, takes that, that request, that prayer request up the stairs because you can't carry it yourself all the way up to the Lord and, and lays it at the feet of God. And you're anxiously waiting for the answer. You're waiting to see if God's going to respond. You're waiting to see when God's going to respond. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. God sends an angel down that stairwell with your answer. This, this picture is a vision of the angels that are taking our prayers up and our blessings down. But how many of you know that it's always harder to take the prayers up? It's always harder to go to God. It's always harder to, to, to make sure that that prayer reaches heaven. But my Bible tells me that there is somebody that will take your prayers, somebody that will take your petitions, somebody that will take your trials, somebody that will take your problems all the way to the throne of our mighty God and bring them before him and lay them at his feet. And his name is Jesus. Jesus will take your prayers because he intercedes for you and for me. Jacob was, was in need of a reminder that God was there with him while he fled, while he struggled. Hallelujah. And the word of the Lord to Jacob, he says, and I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring, back, bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. You see, when you become a child of the king, you become a child of his promises. And so the promises of God belong to you. Las promesas de Dios pertenecen a ti. 
They belong to you. They're irrevocable. God's blessing and his favor and his anointing. He does not take back because he loves you. Notice how when Jacob went to his father and stole the blessing from his brother and his dad put the right hand upon him and gave him all the promises of God and spoke the blessing over Jacob. Isaac didn't say, oh man, I messed up. I removed the, I revoked the blessing that I gave to your brother and I'm giving you back the blessing that belongs to you. Did, did Isaac do that? No, he could not. Because he's a, he's a reflection of Almighty God. The fact that God has the power because he loves you. And his promises over you are yes and amen. And nobody could close the doors that God opens for you. Nobody can, can take away what belongs to you. That dream that Jacob had was the dream that he needed, was the food that he needed, the sustenance that he needed to keep on going in his journey. This week, I pray that you seek God in the name of Jesus. And you called, called to heaven and you ask God to send you those blessings. You ask God to pour down his promises, to fulfill his promises that he gave to you. Don't hold back. It's another thing we have to learn from Jacob, not to hold back and asking ridiculously from God. Don't hold back. Ask boldly. Because he loves us. Verse 16 says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I am not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the great, the, excuse me, the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it, he called the place Bethel. Everybody say house of God. He called the place Bethel, house of God. Though the city used to be called Luz. See, the Lord took that stone, that hard thing that you've been going through, and he turned it into a, a monument. He turned it into a memorial. He turned it into a blessing. Jacob took something that was spiritual, something that was a dream, something that was beyond his reality. But notice what Jacob does. Jacob just didn't take this dream and say, oh, you know, that was a great dream. Oh, man, you know, praise God. You know, I'm encouraged. No. What did Jacob do? He took the dream. And he converted it right then and there. He turned it into an event. He turned it into a moment. A massive moment in his spiritual life. He brought the spiritual into the physical, into the material. 
He brought heaven, somebody say heaven, down to earth. That's what we got to do. As people of faith, you have to learn how to bring heaven to earth. Oh, I don't know how. Just start. Oh, but I don't know where to go. Just go. Well, I don't know what that looks like. Just go by blind faith. Jacob brought heaven to earth. He took a dream and he turned it into a monument. And that stone that he used, that hard place that he was in, he turned a a time of pain into a promise. He turned it into a promise. He says, surely, if God is with me, I will serve him for the rest of my life. Some people say, oh, you're not supposed to make deals with God. Make a deal with God. And keep your word. Notice Jacob says, I will. What does that mean when he said, when Jacob says, I will? What is in the English language when you say I will? Does it mean you've done it yet? It means that you're doing it by what? By faith. It means you haven't done it yet, but you're going to. So what was in between Jacob's promise and I will? What was, what was in between? Faith. In between your life and God's promise for you is action. Steps of action. Putting your faith into action. Trusting in God when it doesn't look like the situation is hopeful. Trusting in God and doing that background check. Not knowing what they're going to find on your record. But an opportunity has just shown up and you're afraid to go and do it because of what it's going to remind you about what you once did. Until you go and take that step. What's the worst that anybody could tell you? What's the worst that anybody could tell you? No. We've all dealt with no's in life, haven't we? We've dealt with a whole lot of no's. I've dealt with a whole lot of no's. I'm sure you have as well. Nose don't scare me anymore. I just don't like them. I still don't like nose. Jacob was bold. And he says, if God does what he promised, I will. We got to learn from that. Let God prove to you who he is. Let God prove to you how much he loves you. Let God prove to you that what he has promised to you, he will fulfill. And then hold good to your promise. Hold good to your promise. Hold good to your end of the deal. Oh, if you get me through law school, Lord, I promise. Oh, Lord, if you're with me through this test, this examination, this this driver's test, this, this 
Class A, driver's test, Lord Jesus, I will. You better complete the I will. Or he, then he's going to be coming for you. I'm more, I have more uh, fear of God than I do Esau. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Jacob had the fear of the Lord. See, uh, see what else. And, and then he says, and then I will call the, this place Bethel. I will call this moment house of God. I'm going to call this situation house of God. What happens in a house? Good stuff, I hope. House is a place of sanctuary. House is a place of rest. A house is a place of economy. A house is a place of production. A house is a place of discipline. A house is a place of blessing. A house is a symbol of permanence. A house is a symbol of residence. A house is a symbol of dwelling. A house is a symbol of abiding. A house is a symbol to us, the house of God, that whatever situation that you have gone through, that the Lord has brought you out of, you should memorialize that moment, never forget that moment, and let your faith continue to be built up as God continues to build your faith. Because he's building in your life a house for God. He's building in your house a house where he can dwell. He's building in your life a house where Jesus is all up in there. He's building for you a house, Brandon and Catherine, where you will raise that baby in the ways of the Lord and bring you to another place in your own lives. And he doesn't just stop at one rock because you're going to go through another hard place. You're going to go through another hard moment. But every time he brings you through, what do you do? You set that one up too. Walk into some of your houses. Pastor, come on in. Look, Pastor, this is when we got married. God was faithful. He blessed me with a bride that I didn't deserve. Hallelujah. Pastor, look at this over here. This is when we bought our first home, Pastor. Pastor, you wouldn't believe. Look at this over here, Pastor. That's what that means. Guys, these are moments of faith building that God does in our lives, like Jacob. Jacob needed to be built up in the faith. Jacob was growing too. Hallelujah. He called it Bethel. Amen. Connect heaven with home. Connect heaven with home. Some of us may have to recreate home and bring heaven into it for the second time because we didn't do it the first time. Go on and do it and bring heaven into your home. Bring the word of God into your marriage. The first one didn't work, do it right the second time. Grandparents, if you didn't bring heaven into your home raising that first generation of kids, hopefully they, your kids forgive you. Do it right with the grandkids. Can I hear an amen? My sons always tell Boomy and I that it's not fair that Lola gets away with everything. 
I'm like, son, we're just learning how to bring a lot more of heaven into this home. And we were experimenting on your behinds. And that's less of heaven, a little bit more of. Then Jacob made a vow. Somebody say Jacob made a vow. Saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am making and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear. If God will provide for my needs. If God will put clothes on my back and food on my... What does that tell you about what Jacob had? Did Jacob have anything? Did Jacob have anything? No, he took off. He had a pole over his shoulder with a polka dot red and white sack. Like the cartoons. Because nobody who has a lot asks God to provide simple things like food and clothing. That means Jacob was at the low point in his life, although he came from much. Although he had come from great wealth and his father Isaac and everything that Abraham that they had established and all the wells that they had dug and all the flocks and herds that they possessed, Jacob left without a single penny, but holding on to a promise. He had to trust that God was going to do everything that God had promised for his life. Amen. And those are the moments that matter. Remember a year in the story of our family where my grandparents were poor. And they had just started Mission Ebenezer right here on the corner of 213th in, in Maine and Carson. Right now it's an empty lot right at the corner of the Keystone neighborhood. And it was Thanksgiving week. The family didn't know what they were going to have for the Thanksgiving meal. And for a couple of weeks, my dad and his four sisters were participating in all the Thanksgiving drives. You remember back in the day, you used to have Thanksgiving drives. Which classroom brings the most canned goods? Whatever classroom brought the most canned goods got a popsicle party. You remember that? Back then, we used to have to go to school all the way until Wednesday. And then you had Thursday and Friday off to watch the Lions and the Giants. Now the kids have a whole week of Thanksgiving off. Lucky. And my father had kept going to my grandmother and asking her, Mama, are we going to have turkey for Thanksgiving this year? They may have been broke, but they knew what was good. And every time he would come to my grandmother, she would say, Mijo, the Lord will provide. I have to believe that she meant it. And if she didn't, at least she said it. 
Because in her speaking and declaring, it caused my father to put God to the test. How many of you know that words matter? Mijo, the Lord will provide. She kept saying. And my father knew the closer and closer they got to Thanksgiving that things were looking a little bleak. They didn't have much. They didn't know what they were going to be cooking. It was probably going to be beans and rice and some tortillas again. Beans and rice and Jesus Christ. And on that faithful Thanksgiving Sunday, just four days before Turkey Day here in the U.S. of A., a madam pulled up in a long black Cadillac. My father describes her in the article that he wrote called, Mijo, the Lord will provide in guidepost that she looked like a B-rated actress. A little over the hill, but still with a little substance. And she walked into that little church that was renting the afternoons from this bar. The bar had a, a tiny little bathroom closet in the middle of the building so that whenever anybody got up to use the restroom in the middle of my grandfather's long, drawn-out preaching, people could hear the toilet flush. And then they had to wait for it. The lady sat down and it was time to take up the collection. My grandfather, from his little makeshift pulpit, called to my dad and said, Isaac, recoja la ofrenda, which means collect the offering. My grandmother went to the pump organ that she had, where she used to have to pump the organ in order to create the sound and the wind that would come through the organ itself. My dad said that when she passed away, her right leg was bigger than the left one. My father, resting on the words of life and hope and faith and food, took up the little tambourine that they were using to collect up the offering. Normally it was a nickel from one brother, a dime from another sister, and a few cents from another family. They were lucky to raise a dollar, a dollar fifty on an, any given Sunday for their collection. They were poor. Poorer than poor. But they were called to a promise. To be a mighty people. My dad took up that tambourine. No shaking in his hands whatsoever. And he stood right over that tall woman that looked like an actress. And in Spanish, my father told her, contribute. She reached into her coat. 
And she pulled out a handkerchief that had wrapped in it 30 silver dollars. And she dropped them in the tambourine. And the tambourine dropped. And my father's eyes got big. And his faith grew. And my family, their faith continued to be focused on the miracles that God does when we trust in him. And my father took the tambourine to my grandmother as she was playing on the organ. And he says, Mama, Babo, which means turkey. We're going to have turkey this Thanksgiving. And she began playing faster and harder. They began having some, singing some gospel tunes. And they celebrated. On that Sunday, the Sunday of Thanksgiving, as God reminded Jacob, and as Jacob promised God, put him to the test. God will provide. God will be with you through your situation. God will turn your situation around. Just put your trust in Jesus. Mission Ebenezer, I'm going to ask you to stand.